Welcome to the Beyond Experiences Travel Podcast. Don't trip on the usual. My name is Anand. I'm here to talk to you today about the Ramayana Trail in Sri Lanka. You know, there's so much that's being talked about right now with the Ayodhya movement, the Ram Temple that's getting built out there. The Ramayana is again back in people's minds. And of course, it has never been away from people's minds. Almost everybody in India, the Hindus especially, worship Sri Ram and there are his birthdays celebrated, his return from Lanka. So the Ramayana is very intrinsically linked with people's lives in India. I thought I'd talk about a part of Ramayana that is set in Sri Lanka and various places of significance in Sri Lanka, religious significance so to say, linked to the Ramayana where the legend talks about or the epic talks about uh, Sri Ram visiting etc. First of all, what is the Ramayana? The Ramayana is a poem, it's a story. You can also call it an epic. Hindus believe it is a Dharma Shastra. Dharma Shastra means a demonstration of righteous living. Very old creation really. As in, you know, it is probably much more than 2000 years old. It is still much loved and followed across India. Actually across Southeast Asia, South Asia and various parts of the world. Reason being that in those days, uh, the Indian civilization and the kings used to do a lot of trading with other parts of the world. And therefore, there was a lot of movement around. And wherever they went, they took along the story of their God, their beloved uh, Sri Ram. So you'll find a lot of Ramayana being followed in Cambodia. It's called the Ramakian out there. You have it in uh, Thailand. In fact, their older uh, capital was called Ayodhya. Ayodhya is, uh, is Ayodhya, which is now what we're seeing that the Ram Temple is being built, the birthplace of Sri Ram, etc. All over the world, it's there. And for instance, in South Korea, the South Korean royal family is believed to have originated from Ayodhya because one of the princesses of Ayodhya had moved into South Korea, gone there and married the Korean king and, and that's how that royal lineage had started. So there are a lot of South Koreans who visit Ayodhya by the way. And this is startling, this is strange because we live in an age when attention spans are far shorter. One tires of a book or a movie in a month maybe. You know, think of Game of Thrones. At one point, it was the biggest thing that was happening. Everyone talked about Game of Thrones and Jon Snow and there was outrage when Jon Snow died, etc. Who remembers it now? It's gone. We live in an age where attention spans are far, far shorter. A month maybe, two months maybe and that's it. You're tired of a book or a movie or a character. What is the appeal of the Ramayana then? That it stays on for so many years, so many thousands of years in the collective consciousness of a, of a people. The reason is probably because the Ramayana appeals on many levels. It appeals on the devotional level, it appeals on the sociological level, it appeals on the philosophical level, romance, adventure, hero worship, brother sentiment, mother sentiment, father sentiment, righteousness, good over evil, villain getting killed, villainy happening somewhere, virtuous women, non-virtuous women, Wanderers, uh, supermen flying around the place, a war, battle, bloodshed, all kinds of things. The Ramayana is a great story essentially. The plot of which is followed in part by most movies. Think of it. There's a prince, he's the hero. And meets a beautiful princess, a paragon of virtue. They fall in love, the prince surmounts various obstacles and they get married. In comes family politics and they lose all their riches. They live in a romantic haze in a forest. Then tragedy strikes. A villain kidnaps the princess and then the prince wages a long war. Ultimately defeats the villain, gets his beloved back. And then while they're living happily ever after, 
family issues arise again, separation happens and finally ends in tragedy. With the seeds of a sequel in the form of children who are as heroic coming into the scene. How many movies can you think with parts of this universal story? I'm sure you can think of at least 10 straight off. On the philosophical level, there are innumerable symbolisms with Sri Rama being the pure self within a person. Sita Devi, his consort, being the mind and Lakshmana representing tapas or sacrifice. Ravana with his 10 heads represents materialism of the flesh. You know, in the ancient times, we used to call the Indriyas. We used to say there are 10 Indriyas. There are 5 Jnanendriyas and 5 Karmendriyas. These Indriyas together are 10 and Ravana's 10 heads represent that. And we can keep jumping on uh, symbolic leaps of faith. You know, the ocean over which the bridge is built is the ocean of ignorance over which the bridge of knowledge has to be built. The monkeys are symbolic of the various thoughts and Hanuman symbolizes bhakti. I could go on and on about this, but it's better to stop here or you might just switch off the podcast and go. In case you're interested, you could think about the connection between all of these and the storyline. You probably arrive at a thread of thought, which is very interesting. I've had quite a lot of fun going on this connection and thinking about various things that are there. Going back to the Ramayana trail, you know, much of the Ramayana was set in Lanka. At least the more interesting parts. What are the more interesting parts for us? They involve villainy, violence, and finally the climax. Surprisingly, the places mentioned in the legend seem much the same. Another place, you know, where religion, legend, and reality seem to collide and coalesce. I had a very similar experience when I went into Dwarka in India. It's supposed to have been the workplace of uh, Sri Krishna, who was another avatar of uh, Lord Vishnu. And suddenly you found places where this gentleman said that this is the house of Sri Krishna, the king. This is his workplace, this was his office, this is the temple where he prayed to and this is the garden where he got shot by a hunter and he passed away and so on. You know, so suddenly all the legends and reality and the religion, everything seemed to coalesce for me. They were colliding all over the place and I was wondering, is this reality, is this history? Did this actually happen? What is this? That sense of confusion is what one gets when you get into Sri Lanka also. Let me tell you about some of the more important places in Sri Lanka that seem to find mention in the Ramayana as settings for some of the action. I call it the Ramayana Trail. Okay, just remember the outline of the story. King Rama, son of one of the most powerful kings called Dasharatha in Ayodhya. They are four brothers, Rama, Lakshmana, Shatrugna and Bharata. The king, in order to fulfill a vow that he had made, the one of his queens is forced to some amount of palace intrigue really is forced to send his eldest born, which is uh, Sri Rama, out into the forest for a stay in the forest, as they call one vas, for 14 years. He, in order to ensure that his uh, father doesn't miss out on his word, starts off. When he goes, his newly married wife, Sita Devi, also decides to go with him. And then one of his beloved brothers, Lakshmana, also comes along. The three of them then start off from Ayodhya, they give away all their uh, royal uh, clothing and uh, luxuries, etc. and get into the forest for 14 years. They start from there and keep moving around through India. There are various places of significance in India also. And at one of the places, the king of Lanka comes in and abducts Sita Devi. From there is the entire Lanka Kanda, which is when he gets into Lanka, when Sri Rama gets into Lanka or Sita Devi gets into Lanka, etc. That, that is really what I'm going to talk about in terms of places in Sri Lanka. The first is a place called Sita Elia. 
According to the Valmiki Ramayana, Sita was kidnapped from Panchavati in Maharashtra, in India, and brought to Ashoka Vatika. It's, it's a very beautiful grove outside the capital city in Lanka. The current Sita area fits the description of the place to a T. Enchanting natural beauty, there's a stream, the climate is fantastic, and it's almost really where uh, Valmiki Ramayana mentions it was there. She was, of course, brought in the Pushpaka Vimana, the king of Lanka apparently owned an aircraft in those days. That's the first stop in the Ramayana trail, really, for me. Next is the Devarumpula. As for the Ramayana, after the battle, Rama came to meet Sita and asked her to take the Agni Pariksha, test by fire, to prove her chastity, because she'd stayed in Ravana's, the king of Lanka's custody for a while. According to local legend, this is the place close to Sita Elia where the Agni Pariksha happened. So, Devarumpula in the local Sinhalese language means place of oath. And this belief that this is a place of oath, a sacred place of oath where lies can't be said is so deep-rooted in Sri Lanka. You know, even to this day, promises made at this site are still honored by the local judicial system. Can you believe it? Kailania is another place. This is where Vibhishna's palace was. Vibhishna was the youngest brother of uh, Ravana, who was instrumental in giving out state secrets of Lanka to Sri Ram and uh, therefore contributed in the victory. When Sri Rama came back into India, he had uh, made Vibhishna the king of Lanka. Kailania is reputed to have been the location of Vibhishna's court and the place of his coronation after the battle where Ravana died. The local custom here is to pray for settlement of disputes at this temple. Interestingly, in Buddhist folklore, the Buddha is said to have visited Sri Lanka thrice. And on one of his visits, he is said to have visited Kailania. Ravana had also built a network of tunnels in the mountains for very easy movement, secret movement, escaping between uh, or from cities. In the legend, after Hanuman spotted Sita Devi in Ashoka Vatika, Ravana brought her to a place called Istripura, meaning place of the lady, to keep her hidden. There's a labyrinth of caves that is reputed to have run for well over 20 odd kilometers. Only a few hundred meters have been explored as of now. When the entire explanation is done, it may well reveal some more secrets and testaments uh, to what that ancient civilization possessed as engineering prowess. The Ramayana mentions that Ravana had married Mandodari, the daughter of the legendary architect Mayasura. Mayasura was the architect of the Asuras and he had a daughter called Mandodari who Ravana had married. Mayasura is the one who designed all the magnificent structures of Lanka. This place is called Ishtripuram. It's in Krivanagrama in Lunuvate. It's near a place called Velimada in Sri Lanka. Lots of Shiva temples in Lanka on the Ramayana trail because Sri Rama was a, used to pray to Lord Shiva and Ravana, the king of Lanka, was a huge devotee of Lord Shiva. So Sri Rama is believed to have prayed at and consecrated a few shrines to Lord Shiva. One of them is Munishwaram. It existed before Sri Rama visited and is hence the premier Shiva temple in Lanka. This is in a place called Chilao in Manavari. Near this, there is the Tirukonishwaram in Trincomali and there is a Tiruketishwaram in the north of Sri Lanka. These are three Shiva shrines, very, very important in the Ramayana trail. It's uh, in the Tirukonishwara temple. It's called Tirukonishwara because on a triangular uh, jut of rock, really. At that place, there's a statue of Ravana worshipping Lord Shiva. And that's probably the first time I've seen a statue of Ravana. You know, one of the possible reasons why the Ramayana is still so popular and it's a story that stands the test of time is that it doesn't paint its heroes and its villains in unicolor. I mean, one is not white and the other is not black. No. There are human frailties that are associated with the hero, 
and there are human frailties associated with the villain and this is what makes it so much more relatable make the characters so much more relatable and therefore the story so much more appealing irrespective of the number of years that pass by because essentially human nature remains the same right a few things that i didn't know about the uh, asura king of lanka ravana who's the villain of the ramayana what i knew before was that this is a vilified demon king whose effigies burnt every year during the ramleela celebrations across northern india with a lot of fanfare but there are lots of things i didn't know about him for instance did you know what ravana's name was before he came to be called ravana it was dashagriva or dashanana which means a demon with 10 heads at birth that was his name subsequently in his life he had a fight with lord shiva in the course of which his arms were crushed by lord shiva and the earth is said to have quaked at his cry of pain when mount kailash was pinned on him this terrifying roar brought on this name of ravana ravana means one who has a terrifying roar interesting isn't it it's like knowing the name of pele the footballer and after a long time realizing that hey his name was not pele from birth his name was edson arantes uh, donacimento lots of other interesting things uh, you know ravana's father was a famous sage one of the more famous sages in uh, hindu mythology a person called rishi vishwashrava and uh, he had two wives the second wife's name was kaikasi and kaikasi was an asura lady vishwashrava of course was a brahmin and uh, ravana's mother was kaikasi and father vishwashrava is half brahmin and half asura lady vishwashrava's first wife was called varavarnini her son was kubera jirom's kubera is a god of wealth i don't know if you've seen these statues or these pictures of a cheerful smiling bald man with a big pot belly etc he's supposed to be the god of wealth and uh, that's true both in uh, hindu mythology as well as uh, tibetan uh, mythology he's supposed to stay somewhere near lake mansarovar on the foothills of uh, kailash the abode of lord shiva kubera was ravana's half brother therefore same father and he was a king of lanka before ravana ravana in fact fought and defeated kubera and then uh, chased him out of lanka and then occupied the throne arman was also a great devotee of lord shiva by the way quite an expert on the vedas and astrology quite an accomplished musician he invented his own instrument a stringed instrument it's called the rudraveena lord shiva was apparently particularly fond of it ravana in fact had composed the shiva tandava stotra which is a fairly popular incantation to lord shiva and uh, his tandava there's a very interesting story you know the ram setu which is uh, adams bridge as we call it now this was a bridge that was built from india to lanka for ravana's army to cross over now when you start building a bridge in ancient times and even now actually there is a puja that's performed and this puja is typically performed by the brahmins Now, when Sri Ram uh, landed up there and he was about to start building the bridge, he needed to do the puja, but there were no Brahmins around. Guess who he got? You're right, Ravana. He is reputed to have performed the puja for successfully building the bridge that would bring his nemesis Sri Rama and his army into his land to fight him. Can you beat that? In fact, Sri Rama was so. 
impressed with Ravana's statecraft and diplomacy, etc., that after defeating him as Asura king lay dying, Sri Ram asked Lakshmana to go sit by Ravana and learn the secrets of statecraft and diplomacy from the dying king. Remember, I told you sometime back that uh, Vibhishana had given out some state secrets to Lord Rama, which helped him uh, defeat Ravana. Well, the major state secret that he gave out was that Ravana had a boon from Lord Brahma by which his life was concentrated at his navel. This is what Vibhishana shared with Lord Rama. And that was critical in Lord Rama managing to kill Ravana in battle. In fact, even now in Lanka, if you speak with the local population, Vibhishana is quite unpopular. They believe he's a traitor. Two sides of the battle, right? The winning side has a different opinion of the battle. The losing side has a very different opinion of the same battle. I kind of figured this after I went there because I had never even thought of any positive strokes for Ravana. That's an interesting one. Travel does teach you very different perspectives, doesn't it? I told you about the Pushpaka Vimana. This was used by Ravana to bring Sita into Lanka from Panchwati where he abducted her. Now, this is the first recorded flying machine, the Pushpaka Vimana. It was not developed by him actually. It was captured from Kubera who had it and then he drove him out of the country and took over his vehicles. It's like you throw a person out of the country and take over his fleet of Rolls Royces or whatever. In fact, he's believed to have had his palace, Ravana, is believed to have had his palace uh, on an inaccessible mountain where he used to go using his aeroplane. Others couldn't reach because it was so inaccessible. It's reputed to be on top of a mushroom-shaped rock near Sigiriya in uh, central Lanka. I'd been there. It's not too much of a difficult trek up. It's a very easy trek actually up. But if you're going there, remember to go early in the morning after it get, can get fairly sunny and hot. But right on top, it's amazing. The the fact that somebody could have had a city there, though it is believed that it is some other king whose uh, palace was there. Um, legend is it was Ravana who was there and he could come in there because he had a, an aircraft and he'd land there. But others would not be able to come in and whenever anyone, any enemy forces tried to come in, it was easily defendable because the damn thing is mushroom shaped, right? So as you're coming up, it's easy to you know throw stones or hot oil or whatever they use from the top at the invaders. By the way, Ravana's empire was not restricted to Lanka alone. It was spread over into what they call, the Ramayana calls Bali Dvipa. Bali Dvipa is today's Bali in Indonesia. Or Malaya Dvip, which is Malaysia, today's Malaysia, and six more islands. When I went on the Ramayana trail into Lanka and I was going around these places, I learned far more about the Ramayana. I saw a different perspective, a different side to the Ramayana itself. And a different side to the villain of the piece, Ravana. He did have his uh, positive sides also. Okay, enough of digressing. Coming back to the main theme of this podcast, which is the Ramayana Trail. Next on my list is the Nala Setu or the Adam's Bridge. This is the bridge that Sri Rama is supposed to have built with the help of his army of monkeys. It's called Nala Setu because the design and construction being on the overseership of an architect called Nala. Age of this bridge is approximated to be over 7,000 years using various archaeoastronomy technique of dating it, basis the description of the sky and the stars of any momentous happening. See, in the Indian subcontinent earlier, they used to just describe the sky and the stars at any time. 
Now it's easy for us to look at it, the sky, the stars and the planets. Once you plot it out, you know which are the years in which that's exactly the same arrangement on the sky had come. And therefore you're able to date it in some fashion. For this bridge, there was oceanography that was also used as a dating tool where one looks at the dimensions of the structure and the rise in sea level. And that becomes a tool to date it. Of course, in modern techniques, this can easily be estimated. It hasn't been done yet though. If this dating is true, this would technically be the oldest man-made structure on earth. These are the main ones, okay, the Ramayana sites. There are many more. Here are some of them that I quite liked. I, I loved actually. In fact, I loved all of Sri Lanka. It's beautiful, steeped in history. So this one's called Sita Kotua. Kotua means fort. So Sita Kotua is Sita's fort. It's in a place called uh, Gurulupota in Hasalaka. It was Queen uh, Mandodari's palace. I told you Mandodari was the daughter of Mayasura and the wife of Ravana. This is where Sita was kept before being shifted to Ashokvatika. This place is also said to have an aircraft repair center for Ravana's Vimana, the Pushpaka Vimana. But that's legend, of course. It is Nagadipa. This is in the North Jaffna Peninsula, quite a bit away. This is apparently the place where the legendary encounter between Lord Hanuman and Surasadevi, the mother of the Nagas, happened. You see, the story is that as Lord Hanuman was jumping from India into Lanka, suddenly there's a sea monster who reared up and said, you know, you have to go into my mouth, otherwise I'm not letting you pass. Lord Hanuman was not in the mood for a fight. He didn't have the time for it. He had to get in there and search for Devi Sita. So what he did is he shrunk himself completely to a very small size and zipped into Surasa Devi, who was a sea monster, zipped into her mouth and came out immediately and said, listen, I have fulfilled your wish. You want me to go into your mouth. And I've come out. So that's how she let him pass. She, she was impressed with him and kind of let him pass. This place is called Nagadipa. Nagadipa, roughly translated as Island of the Snakes. Sarasadevi is supposed to be the mother of the Nagas. And then there are the Ramboda Hills. It's believed that as Ravana was taking Sita to Ashoka Vatika, the path was via a place called the Ramboda Hills. That's what is called the chariot path. And there's a Sita tear pond out there. Where apparently Sita Devi was crying. And because the tears fell there, that pond never dries up. And the trees bear red flowers. These flowers are called Sita flowers. They have a very unique shape. It's believed to be a silhouette of Sri Rama. And in one of the places out there, nothing other than grass grows here till date. There is a Bhakta Hanuman temple here in Tavalamtene in Ramboda. It's believed that Hanuman started his search for Sita from the hills of Ramboda. So the Hanuman temple here has a giant, absolutely huge, 16-foot high granite statue of Hanuman. Another very, very beautiful temple, very peaceful, extremely beautiful. Then there's Usangoda, which is in the southern coast. It's reputed to be one of the places that was torched by Hanuman when he visited Lanka. The soil here, even now, has a scorched, blackened experience, unlike that of neighboring areas. Could be a biological phenomenon or it could be the legend is true. I don't know. Who am I to argue? There's a jungle on top of the Haggala rock where there's a dried up pond. This is where Sita Devi was held for some time. This is not accessible freely. It's in the jungle. This is a place called Sita Pokuna. And then of course in Sita Ilya, there's a Sita Amman temple. It's a temple for Rama, Sita, Lakshmana and Hanuman. This is a beautiful, absolutely scenic spot where Sita is reputed to have taken a bath when in captivity. And then there's a Manikatu there, 
a rock in the Labukale estate in Kondagala in Labukale. It's believed that Hanuman rested on this rock on the way back to Rama after finding and meeting the prisoner Sita for the first time. An interesting place is Ravanagoda. This is in the Kotmala area opposite the Ramboda rock. Sita Devi is believed to have stayed here during her transit. Extremely difficult to access the caves here. It's linked with tunnels and caves which run through to other parts of Ravana's kingdom. This is just a short list of the more interesting places on the Ramayana Trail. There are many more that are equally beautiful here. And of course, other than all this, Sri Lanka has natural beauty to be mesmerized by. Sunrises, beaches, jungles, all kinds of things. It's beautiful, absolutely, that country. Of course, most people, when they go into Sri Lanka, they visit the southern part, which is Colombo, uh, Bentota, Candy maybe, and come back. Which is quite the equivalent of coming to India and doing Delhi, Jaipur, Agra and going back. These are beautiful places, but the country is far bigger. The north of Sri Lanka is absolutely fascinating. More on that later when I do a specific podcast on Sri Lanka. As of now, this is what it is about the Ramayana Trail in Sri Lanka. A trail that makes you start wondering, was it legend, was it story or was it history? The Ramayana. Hey, in case you have some points of view on this, or you would like to visit some of these places or have visited some places of interest on the Ramayana Trail in Sri Lanka, do write to me. My email ID is anand.p at beyonder.travel. And if this has enthused you to go and check out the Ramayana Trail in Sri Lanka, do check out the itineraries on our website www.beyonder.travel. That's B-E-Y-O-N-D-E-R dot T-R-A-V-E-L Thanks for dropping by and listening to this podcast. Do stay tuned for more such travel experiences. Till then, take care, stay safe and whatever else that you do, don't trip on the usual.